In hard times, comedians serve a very important purpose, which is helping us find meaning and find our way through. And so as we bid adieu to 2020 and move forward into what is still going to be a hard year, I wanted to share this episode with my friend Corey Bussey, who did an amazing job of roasting the past year all year long. You're listening to Courageous Wordsmith, episode 45. This podcast presents conversation with and for real-life creatives on how we find and keep walking our unique paths. I'm your host, Amy Hallberg. Welcome to my world. Today, it is my privilege to welcome my good friend, Corey Bussey, and I can't even tell you what he did, so I'll let him explain it. Okay, so I'm here with my high school friend, Corey Bussey, who has an interesting series going on since, well, now it's been continuous since what, March? Continuous since March 11th. Yeah, you want to tell us what it is? Because I I don't think I can do it justice. Uh, It's called Tales from the Bussey Christmas Village, Pandemic Edition. Because three years ago, I started doing effectively an advent calendar. It was an advent calendar. Got a late hop on it the first year, but it turned into an advent calendar of tableau of my family's off-brand Christmas village that I then go on and and make little uh, snarky captions about and turn them into really dark and, I think, funny critiques. Oh, they're funny, but they're very profane sometimes. Well, okay, you say profane. I say hilarious. Uh, Oh, they're, (laughs) they're funny. They are so funny. Let's kind of talk about where this came from. Like, why did you start doing this thing? What's the origin story? Well, my, my parents passed away, and I'm the youngest of five. And my siblings, when we were cleaning out mom and dad's house in Prior Lake, Minnesota, my siblings said to me, you should take the Christmas village. And you can understand, when they say take the Christmas village, they're talking about four gigantic Rubbermaid tubs filled with off-brand ceramic people and and buildings and creatures that uh, are wrapped in newspaper that smells like cigarette smoke. This is what they were offering. This was the gift they were giving me. Oh. Yeah. And I said, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want the Christmas village. And they said, but you should really take the Christmas village because you have kids, you have little kids and they would appreciate the Christmas village. And I said, you know what? Thank you. But I, I don't want the Christmas village. And they said, but you got that big bookshelf and you can put the Christmas village up on that big bookshelf and it's really beautiful and you should take the Christmas village. And I said, I don't want the Christmas village. And they said, let me walk it to your car for you. <laughs> I home with the four gigantic Rubbermaid tubs worth of off-brand Christmas. This is not Department 56. Can I be clear about that? This is. I, I think you need to, yeah. Yeah, this is not Department 56. Not to, to say that, you know, there's good and bad Christmas villages. This one obviously has deep sentimental value for my, for my family, but this is not the good stuff. This is the, <laughs> this is the stuff from Kohl's. And I want to be clear, I am not knocking Kohl's. I'm just saying... This isn't the collectible stuff that people put on eBay for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. This is kind of the paintings a little bit off and it's not. The, 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 the people in my village look like what you would make out of ceramic if you had never seen the human form before. 
so not pretty. No, I, not, not on the whole. Some of these are, it, it, the, the, the paint is, is yeah, you, you can see it in some of the photography because I don't touch up the photos when I take them because part of the charm is that this was never meant to be the good stuff. This is not the idyllic tableau of the Rockwellian Christmas scene. This is, this is the off-brand Christmas village. We used to joke when I was a kid about the village that we really needed to develop the other side of the tracks uh, in the village that had like the adult bookstore and the check cashing place and, you know, the, the place where you could get a loan, the same day loan, um, that sort of thing where uh, the other side of the tracks village and what actually evolved was this instead. And it could not have been more perfect because the way I talk about it is that this is how I get back at my siblings for making me take this village is that I created this now daily single panel kind of cartoon of people in the village doing things that are, in your word, Amy, profane. (laughs) (laughs) So give us one example so that people just have a picture of what you're talking about. Like just a a typical one, just a typical one. Typical one is is probably no different than today. So today we're talking on November 11th, 2020. And today's entry is very simply a a couple sitting on a park bench in more or less uh, Victorian, you know, Dickensian sort of garb, right? So it's mm-hmm. not a modern day. And they're kissing on a park bench. And the, the caption is profane in that it says, <laughs> after misinterpreting her Tinder name, Super Spreader 2020, Brett was about to be disappointed. Twice. <laughs> Okay, and that's my honest response on reading it was, oh my gosh, Corey, oh my God. But but I have to say that that as a matter of principle, I gave you the big sort of shocked face, right? The oh, yes. sort of response. Like well, I can't go on record for laughing at that one. Right. It's pretty bad. And and I get some of those, but what I try to remind a, a dear, dear friend of mine is he, he is a loyal follower. He is a loyal follower of the village. And I get big wide-eyed, oh my gosh, kind of emojis. From him to, from time to time, and he'll actually he'll actually like screen cap them and then text them back to me, like I hadn't seen them before. <laughs> back to me as as though to uh, reinforce his shocked reaction. And I try to point out to him that understand that one, the Christmas village, the Bussy Christmas village, is of our world, but not in our world, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be a reflection. It's not the real thing because well, they're ceramic among other things, and two that the people in the village are not altogether good people. And just to be really clear, I, I hope it's okay that I point this out. You are a practicing Catholic. Uh, practice makes clean. Uh. <laughs> right? I mean, like, like you're, you, you're very, very aware of Christianity, Christian mor- morality. So it's kind of like you're walking a line too, right? Well, yeah. And, and I get this question a lot, right? So my wife is a Catholic theologian by education and, uh, and profession. Mm-hmm. The question I get a lot, a, uh, a woman at my last job said, hey, can I ask you a personal question? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. She said, it's about your wife. I said, are you about to ask me how a woman who is a Catholic theologian by education and practice and profession would marry someone as foul mouthed as me? And she said, yes. <laughs> right. And what does Heidi actually think, as long as we're on that subject? Well, Heidi works in, in publishing and right. is an acquisitions editor for a Catholic publisher. She also serves as my editor. <laughs> um, there is almost never 
a post that goes up on between 7 and 7.30 in the morning on any given day that she has not already seen and given some critique to. What I often get from her is shorter. It's too long. Shorter. So brevity being the soul of wit, the soul of, of my wit is Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, punch it up a little, Corey. <laughs> Um, and, and you guys have two kids who are no longer little, as you mentioned, the kids, right? What do they think about all this? It's funny. I have a 16-year-old, uh, and he is largely indifferent. I think he's more impressed than he lets on, but he would he would never let on. When I show him these things that I think are, are pretty good, he'll give me the uh, sharp exhale out of his nostrils. <laughs> and then I, I know I've kind of done well. Um, my 13-year-old daughter is on Instagram a denizen of Instagram. She knows it better than I do. Uh, and she likes every single one. I'm not sure she gets every single one, but she likes them. <laughs> like to hope she doesn't actually. Oh, I mean, yes and no, because there's that, there's that part of me that when, when she does like it and I do sense that she got it, I'm a little proud. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, kind of hoping that I'm not warping my children. These take a decidedly progressive bent politically what do we call you a liberal you're a democrat you're progressive all these things sure i am blue you are blue right yeah. so your siblings the ones who gifted you with this beautiful treasure <laughs> are not right um not all of them n- not all of them let's just put it that way i don't know that politics is really the thing that separates us here it's it's if they were going to critique it it wouldn't necessarily be on the politics. It'd be on the punchlines. <laughs> Say more about that. Well, because I'm the youngest of five, we all think we're the funniest. A couple of them are on social media. A couple of them are not. One of your brothers, the mayor of Bloomington, Minnesota. Even. Indeed. And as you might expect, he is on social media. Right. Um, I almost never get any of the currency of social media from my siblings. I get no likes. I get no comments. I get no shares. My goal, actually, when I can quit and die happy, is when I can offend my siblings on social media with one of these things, beyond the normal everyday uh, offense that they take to the fact that I am essentially pissing on the legacy of our parents' cherished Christmas village that sat around the the Christmas tree. (laughs) Yeah, what would your parents think about all this? I knew your mom. I know of your dad. They're good salt of the earth people. Uh, They were. Um, Dad, I don't know that this would be dad's thing. (laughs) This would not be dad's thing. My mom thought I was hilarious. And so I think she'd find it funny, but I don't think she'd ever admit that. When when my parents were alive, we would do these things where we'd take Disney melodies, right? From the the Disney movies like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and things like that. And we'd change the words and we'd, we'd use them for special occasions. So for weddings or anniversaries or birthdays for my brother-in-law we did he's big biggest strongest man i know um so we did something to the tune of gaston from beauty and the Beast. Oh, right right mm-hmm. but we changed the words and we put his name in there instead of gaston we did that sort of thing my mom asked me to do that for cousins of ours once upon a time but she sat me down and she was very stern and she said "Corey, it cannot be dirty so taking the double entendre of blue right right Yes. No blue material, please. <laughs> There's only blue material. I'm of the mind that it's either all okay to joke about or none. That doesn't insulate you from the slings and arrows of if if you fall on the wrong side of racism or sexism or, or even popular opinion. I mean, all of those things from the very extreme 
of you've crossed a line to the very mundane of I just don't think that's funny. You take your life in your own hands with that. It's either all okay to joke about or none of it is. <laughs> I take, you know, so there's a couple of sources because this has been, as you know, a rather confusing time. Yeah. And so I've taken a lot of comfort in following Heather Cox Richardson on Facebook, mm -hmm. because I know, like, if I have to go spend all my time researching this stuff, I will drive myself crazy. That's not how I'm wired. I'm not a political science. I'm, I'm a, I'm a lit person, right? I'm a language person. Like, I'm not going to do that. I can go to Professor Richardson, and she can go through all the stuff and put it into context, and I trust her. So that's my one source, right? Sure. And another source that I have really relied on is the bussy Christmas village pandemic. You know, in fact, the first time that um, Joe Biden announced he was going to have a female running mate, you posted something and I didn't get that it was a joke. <laughs> and I like comment and you're like, yeah, Amy, because Biden's going to have a female running. What did you say? Like, I will serve pancakes yeah. or something? like. If you remember, this was last spring. And right. he just put out, and it was on his characteristic blue background with the standard lettering. And he said, my vice president will be a woman. And it was Biden, you know, his logo, Biden president. Right, right. He said, my vice president will be a woman. Right. Um, and at the time, we were all teasing Uncle Joe because, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of a daughter and old. Dad. Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, right? I took his background and I took his logo and I stripped it. And I just used the same font and I wrote, my breakfast will be pancakes. That's a lot of work, Corey, for a bit. You should see how much work goes into each daily entry of the Christmas village. I actually threw down and bought a light box because the weather yeah. turned now in the state of Minnesota and I can't go outside and get benefit of the natural light. And it gets dark at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I needed a place where I could shoot these photos that made it look like I was outside in the sunshine when actually I am in my basement that smells like dead mice. You've expanded beyond the original first gift that was given to you, yeah? I did. I did uh, Tales from the Bussy Christmas Village, and it was genuinely Christmas, right? It was an advent calendar. It ran from December 1st through Christmas Day. And then, you know, maybe I did one or two after that because there was something to say about New Year's or whatever, but did that for three years. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the, the people and the buildings that I had from mom and dad were <laughs> kind of getting a little thin. I was getting a little repetitious. And, and here's something else that I learned day, uh, in year two or three. The tales from the Christmas village, so many people who collect these things and are like genuine collectors. And I want to be very clear, that's not me. But the people who collect this stuff are most interested in the buildings. If you're collecting this stuff, these are some really beautiful miniatures, right? Mm -hmm. But the buildings are not the important part. Tales from the Bussy Christmas Village has everything to do with the people. The stories are right. about the people. Right. So it also takes what is typical, sort of a, an article of faith about the people who collect villages um, and kind of turns it on its head because it's not about the buildings. It's not about the, the showpieces that really make up the heart of most of these villages. It's the now couple hundred figurines that I have, because you're right, Amy, I, I've expanded beyond the initial Christmas village. How many tubs do you have? I just got to know. For the people who are listening, he looks really confused right now. It's got to be a dozen though. Oh, wow. Yeah. So here was the thing. It, it started last spring. It was just before COVID. So it must've been after the holidays last year. When people tend to say, I'm packing this back up, but I don't want to put it back in the storage space because all I'm going to do is leave it there for another year. I want to get rid of this. And, you know, dear boomers, your kids don't want this stuff. The, the scene that played out in 
2012, 2013 at my parents' home with my siblings is playing out all over the country time and time and time and time again as parents, boomers who've collected these villages are trying to get rid of them because they're downsizing and their kids don't want them. Right. And so I was lurking on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and eBay and all of this stuff. And I came across uh, a woman selling one of these villages in Shakopee, which is just, as you know, just to the south. of the Right next door. Yeah. Right, right across the river. And so I made Heidi come with me because I, if I was going to get killed in somebody's driveway, I wanted, you know. A witness? Yeah. <laughs> or, or somebody I could outrun. Here's the, the sad part of today's podcast. Ready for the sad part. As I'm talking with this woman, as I'm loading her four tubs of Christmas Village into my car, because now I've paid money for one and willingly taken it, Right. Um, she tells me that she and her husband had just bought this place in Shakopee after moving from Duluth. And the day they signed on the dot, the day they closed on this house, her husband died of ALS. Village is the exact same brand as mom and dad's. So what I've decided is... Christmas villages give you ALS. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not funny at all. To the right people. This would be a great point to mention that you and I had the, the benefit of some really wonderful teachers in a place that wasn't necessarily kind to smart kids who thought too much. <laughs> right. America in the 80s. America in the 80s, uh, yes. but also, as we've talked about before, small town America in the 80s. Like there's nowhere to hide. And so I know you and I have talked about this, that those teachers really were teachers that saw us and said, yeah, keep doing that thing mm -hmm. that feels not included or accepted or whatever. Keep doing that. Yeah. Some of those teachers are your loyal followers. I will let them determine whether or not they are loyal. <laughs> okay. I've seen them there a few times liking your stuff. How's that? Yes. I take no greater pride in the idea that my fourth, ninth, 10th, and 11th grade teachers follow the village with some regularity have commented on it. It makes me very, very happy because it proves that either Catholic school and public school or both actually did something right. Accomplished what they were meant to. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, these are people who knew mom and dad. These are people who knew all my siblings. These are people who knew me long enough as a student in fourth, ninth, uh, 10th and 11th grade to, to know me. So if, if there were anybody who were going to be disappointed in me, I would hope it would be these four. So who are your inspirations? Besides these teachers, who are your inspirations behind this particular project? This in particular, I would never compare myself to Gary Larson on the far side, but that's the aspiration, right? That's the absurdity. It's the absurd uh, single panel cartoon with a caption. Outlandish and absurd on social media, I can get away with stuff. Gary Larson in syndication across a gajillion newspapers uh, in the 80s and 90s never could have. But it's that kind of outlandish, ridiculous stuff. But the, the more attainable or the more uh, approachable comparison is if you're familiar with their work and Taintor. And if you've ever been into uh, one of those boutiques that sells the um, magnets. I, I see a lot of refrigerator-like types of magnets. And so like the gift stores, the beautiful boutiques, the gift exactly. boutiques. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what she does is she's, she's a very talented collage artist who, I want to say 20 or maybe even 30 years ago, hit on this idea that she had all these vintage magazines, you know, Vanity Fair and Ladies Home Journal, with the women of the 50s in their aprons and their high heels and their pearls just waiting for hubby to come home and all of this. 
And she's got these, it, it looks almost like the, the hand-punched label makers from when we were kids. They're very short. They're very punchy. Again, single panel types of cartoons, but with these really awful... <laughs> Uh, label-made captions that are on these old ads from the 50s and 60s. And they're just brilliant because they are so dark and so empowering at the same time because they're just really turning the, the advertising of the time on its head. Basically, fuck the patriarchy. Exactly, exactly. And she's doing so well with it. And she's so smart about how she approaches it. It, it really is an inspiration. She's, uh, I think she's based in Maine. Speaking of fuck the patriarchy, I just have to add this here. So I invited you to come on my podcast previously. You've been a guest once before. You were you were kind enough to be one of my earliest guinea pigs. And let me just record all sorts of stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, and Amy, a word of advice, you know, sit with this a while and see what it wants to become. But I invited you a second time and you were like, yeah, nobody wants to hear from an old white guy. Mm-hmm. Or middle-aged white guy, I guess. Let's right. be fair. Right. We are middle-aged. But when I asked you a couple of days ago, you were like, yeah, let's do this. Sure. So we are now today at November 11th. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has been declared the winner yep. by any measure except for the GOP. I, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> I don't have words for it. I'm a word person, but I don't have words for it, Corey. Yeah. So we're going to air this episode around January, right around inauguration time, by which time, presumably, our guy will be moving on into the office. Right. What's your plan to carry that forward from here? Well, if nothing else, the embarrassment and the current president's hesitancy to acknowledge his loss is just great fodder right? It's just more material, which is fine by me. Keep in mind, what did I say? March 11th, 17th, something like that. So so let's say mid-March when Mm -hmm. the majority of us came home from work on a Friday and did not go back ever. We we all had this in mind that, oh, this global pandemic is going to be a two-week thing. Right. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll dust off the Christmas village and do a pandemic edition. That'll be fun. Two weeks, not a big investment. So today we are at 230 some entries later with no signs. Well, okay, I take it back. Pfizer just this week came out with a very promising vaccine, phase three clinical trial that has yet to be peer reviewed and all of that stuff. So I guess no end in sight is the wrong way to put it. April is kind of the end in sight. We're going strong. Like today, 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 we're still riding on the Four Seasons total landscaping thing. Oh, yeah, totally. Do you have any other favorites you want to make sure that you give a shout out to them? Some of these I do just for me, right? Mm -hmm. I I make that joke to my kids all the time when when I say something, they don't think it's funny. But there was one just a couple weeks back when the White House, uh, who was the chief of staff, that guy, when he said, the White House, we're not going to control the virus. Right. So I created a, a CNN knockoff Chiron uh, of a guy and Godzilla in the background. Because when the Christmas village, you can do that. <laughs> Godzilla is terrorizing and has set ablaze uh, a mountain community behind him. And the caption is the White House issued a statement saying, we're not going to control Godzilla. We just want to get back to normal life. I don't know that a, whole pe- a lot of people thought it was funny, but I really laughed at that one. I did too. <laughs> my My favorite days are the days when... On like Monday, someone will say, this is your best one. And then on Tuesday, somebody else will say, this was your best one. And they're different because I recognize that there are differences in the tone and the style. They hit people differently. 
But the ones that do best, and by best, I mean, again, that stock and trade currency and social media, likes and shares and yada, yada, yada. The ones that do best are not the political ones. The ones that do best are the ones that really hit all of us because we're going through this shared experience of this pandemic, sharing some of these commonalities. And so there was one, it was two cops standing out front of a house and there was a banner hanging from the balcony on the house. And it said, we're in this together, but together was crossed out and underneath it was written forever. These two cops are standing outside the house uh, and one says to the other, what's their story? And the other cop says, three teenagers, mom is perimenopausal, and dad is teaching himself the ukulele. Did you do a wellness check? And the second cop says, no, I called for backup. That one did extraordinarily well because I think that's how we're all feeling right now, where if I have to binge one more show on Netflix, I'm going to lose it. Those are the ones that, that do best, and those are the ones that I think the Christmas Village is really all about. The topical stuff, the political stuff. Uh, is all well and good and it's fodder for Monday through Friday or whatever. But it's those ones that are really universal, mm. I think really resonate with people. Um, figure it more evergreen content, if you will, for the Christmas village. It's not the stuff about Trump and politics because right. at the end of the day, after January 20th, nobody cares. Bye. Exactly. It's the stuff that we're all sharing in common. I mean, so I think you encapsulate the human condition and the fact that politics goes in there is more to the fact that nothing is sacred with you. If it's funny, it goes in. Right. Politics just happens to be what's going on in the world. And and if it's outlandish and stupid that day, it's grist for the mill. It's fodder for the village. It's It's one more single panel cartoon that I don't have to think very hard about because quite frankly, if you're gonna have your press conference, at a landscaping place across the street from a, an adult bookstore, that kind of writes itself. All you need to do is find the fresh take on that, and it becomes easy. The harder ones are when you've got the mom on the phone with the two kids in front of her, and she's saying, my kids haven't seen their friends or their teachers in almost five months, and they're still assholes. Have I been a bad influence all along? We're recognizing that getting your shit together wasn't about having a week where you didn't have distractions of going places and doing things. It's because your life is a mess. <laughs> right. And all our lives are a mess exactly. somehow. Going forward from here, is there a book? Is there a website? Is there something bigger or is this just a thing you do? I would love for it to be something bigger. When it was just the advent calendar, I threw out to a publishing company in Kansas City and said, uh, should we do a calendar? Let's do a calendar of Tales from the Bussy Christmas Village. And I'd, I'd actually... Uh, rebranded it and tried, you know, different things and never heard from them. I don't think, I don't think they were interested, but I would love to, you know, and, and somebody said, you should do a page a day calendar. And this was months ago when I didn't have 365 of these things. Oh my gosh. So there will be something here. I don't know exactly what it is. Somebody recommended a coffee table book. I think that is a little scary because then it just means that I would have to swap out the DC Comics Encyclopedia that decorates my coffee table today. And I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> it feels a little too precious too. Like there's a book here, but it feels like it needs to not be too polished, you know, high quality because you take pride in your quality. But as you said, there's there's got to be an edge to whatever the format is that it takes. Well, and I never meant it to be beautiful. It's not the good stuff. <laughs> I do have to sort of do a, a quick shout out. So one of the people who is a religious follower of the village actually donated one of her family's good stuff, Department 56 and Christmas Villages to me, because 
they were out of space in the storage room and she wanted it to go to, and, and I'm doing the ironic one of your quotes here, a good home. <laughs> she knows what this was for. She gave it to me anyway. And as I'm unpacking this stuff, I'm, I'm recognizing this stuff is really beautiful. I mean, this is good stuff. Uh, there are people who would, the collectors who would have paid good money for this. And she gave it to me so that I could do funny things with it. Hey, Corey, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. And anybody hasn't seen this, what, it's on Instagram and Facebook? It is. Hashtag Tales from the Wussy Christmas Village. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Courageous Wordsmith. Today's episode featured Corey Bussey. You can read about him and find links in the show notes. And my editor is the talented Will Quee. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help it thrive and grow organically. Please subscribe right on this page, share with friends, and sign up for True Lines, my letter for real-life creatives. Please and thank you for your support of all kinds. You can learn more about me and our community for emerging creative writers at CourageousWordsmith.com. I'm Amy Hallberg, and until we meet again, travel safely.